morning, my name is Darcy, and I am on the team here at City Harvest. And I am, uh, I'm not only excited, but I'm greatly honored to be here this morning as we continue on our journey. We have been in a, a series talking about the Israelites. And it's important that we understand the Israelites because if we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, this is actually our history too. If we believe through faith that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for us, this is our, our history. And it's important that we know our history. So we are right in the midst of this series. We're going through the Pentateuch or the Torah, and we're going from the journey from bondage to freedom. We can all recognize that there are certain places in our lives that we may have bondage, but the Lord has come to us, not only in the past, but he comes today to lead us to a place of freedom so that we can worship him and reflect him and reflect who he truly is. We have several things that we want to do today, um, but one of the things our, our heart is for this series is that we be in our Bibles. So I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, grab it. If you have a Bible on your phone, prep it, get it ready. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, we actually have some to pass out. If you would like it, just raise your hand. Our ushers have them. There's no shame, no anything about not having one. I like a tangible Bible myself. So even when I uh, forget to bring my tangible Bible, I like to have a real one. So you can just raise your hand and we'll pass those out. We started our journey in the book of Genesis, and then we went to Exodus, and today we're going to be talking about Leviticus. Yes, Leviticus. The place where our yearly, daily reading journal plans go and die. This is where they die. This is the book that's intentionally left out of children's Bibles. You won't find one story from the book of Leviticus in a children's Bible. You won't. This book is gross. It's bloody. It's specific. It's full of death. But it's full of life. It's beautiful. It's pure. It's holy. Our wins for this sermon series that we've started and that we're working through is one that we'd make the Bible come alive, that we'd have this panoramic view of the Israelites' journey from Egypt, where they were enslaved, to their promised land, the land of their journey and our journey. It's easy to read through their story and say, wow, they're dumb. <laughs> How could they keep complaining? Don't they know by complaining that leads to bad things or more bondage? How could they continue making these mistakes over and over? Why? The Old Testament, it's not just saying them and us. The Lord wants to walk us through different things in between. Our attitude in the meantime, how we approach those places. And then last is each message gives an overview and motivates us to read that portion of Scripture. Confession time, when even studying the book of Leviticus, and I've studied it before, but even studying the book of Leviticus um, over the last couple of weeks, it was funny. <clears throat> My husband, he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some time to study, and I'll, I'll come back. I was in the living room, and I have my Bibles, my, my study Bible before me, and I maybe got 10 minutes in, and I fell fast asleep. And he comes in like 30 minutes later. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, great study time. Mm-hmm. 
I know it's, it can be a hard book to get through. But it's hopefully today that we get a small grasp of how beautiful this book truly is. And it's worth our time and it's worth our intention and it's worth kind of trudging through if you need to trudge through parts that you may not understand. It's worth it. It's a beautiful, holy book that shows us the character of God for who he really is. Last week, Pastor Pete, he brought this uh, map. He showed us this map. It's our journey of the Israelites. We can go ahead and put the map up on the screen. But it's this history that's taking place. And I want to give us a quick history. And if you've been in kids' church, you've probably heard every single Bible story there is. But one thing that we often find lacking is that we don't actually connect the dots. Well, I'm hoping to connect the dots just a little bit in our recap. So we started in Genesis, we went through the book of Exodus, and today we find ourselves in the book of Leviticus, right? So how did we get here? How did we get to slavery, and how, how are we getting out of it? We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, right? We know the song. And so remember, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, okay? All in the family, one family. Jacob, he wrestles with God, God renames him, not to make the Bible confusing, but all their names change, right? So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is renamed Israel. God gives him the name Israel. Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons he favors, his name is Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery, into Egypt by his brothers over their jealousy because Joseph is favored. So we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is Israel. Israel has 12 sons. The 12 sons then become the 12 tribes of Israel. Follow me, right? So we have started um, from, we found out in, in Genesis and Exodus that the way that they got to Egypt was because the brothers sold their brother Joseph into slavery, into Egypt. And then God actually used Joseph to rescue his family out of famine. So they move to Egypt and they settle in this land. Now when the Pharaoh who positioned Joseph in this place of authority dies, there's a new Pharaoh, comes to the throne and he sees that the, the Israelites are growing and he becomes intimidated by them so he enslaves them. So now they have become enslaved. And one thing that's interesting to know even from the very beginning of the book of Leviticus is this thing, that which we do in our lives, that leads to our own bondage, right? We can all identify whether it's actions or attitudes or mistakes that lead to our bondage. Joseph's brothers initiated their bondage, but it's God who initiates their freedom. And in the same way, God comes to initiate our freedom. Whether it be the freedom that we've caused by our own actions or the, the, or the, rather the bondage that was caused by our own actions or the bondage that was caused by other people. God comes to initiate our freedom. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob is Israel. We have 12 sons, 12 tribes. And this is important because the book of Leviticus is written to one specific tribe. That's important for us to understand. And at the end of of Exodus, God says, hey, I, I've brought you out of Egypt. You're no longer physically slaves. But they were still bound in their minds. They were still bound in the actions that they were taking. 
And God says, I want to bring you to a new place. And not only that, I want to dwell among you. So the, uh, the last chapters of Exodus are talking about the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. God says, there, here's this tent and I want to dwell among you. But there is a problem. My problem is you. <laughs> My problem is your sin. I, I want to be with you. I desire to be with you. But there is this problem. And this is the book of Leviticus, how a sinful, impure, unclean people meet with a pure, perfect God. Let's go to our video. Where we find ourselves this morning is at the base of Mount Sinai. And God has paused the Israelites. I'm sure they would just love to go straight to their promised land. How many of us have ever been in a season where we've been bound in something? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's a, a pattern of sin. And God, he, he helps us and he brings us out and then you just feel stagnant or stuck. And he has paused you because he's actually trying to do something. And in the same way, he's doing something with the Israelites. He's paused them to give them their identity. He's a God of identity. So often our culture asks, well, what's my identity? What is it? How gracious and good is our God that he tells us exactly who we are. We are a holy people of a holy God. He doesn't leave us to guess and to assume or to make it up on our own. He tells us with love and conviction. God wants to dwell among us, but he can only do it if there's purity and holy, holy, holiness, and we are his holy people. But the problem, again, with this is that it's us. We're the problem. Our sin is the problem. I used to think that being a human was just the most hard work. It'd be way easier being some kind of animal because being perfect is really difficult. Has anybody tried being perfect before? It's really difficult, and you fail, and you fail, and you fail. And you know what? The Lord loves us. He's not embarrassed or ashamed that we're human. He's not embarrassed or ashamed of our humanity, but he makes a way for us to be near him because he desires to dwell among us. Let's open up our Bibles to Leviticus 1. It's the third book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. <clears throat> and we're going to read 1, 1 through, or we're going to read Leviticus 1, 1 through 9. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of the meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Verse 8. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire of the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And that is where our daily journal reading, Bible reading dies, right there. At the end of verse 9, we're like, okay, we got it. Doesn't make sense. Moving on. 
But this is what we see. The first way that we can approach the Lord as a, as a Levite, as an as a Israelite, is by making these sacrifices or these rituals. The Israelites would have known what sacrifices and rituals were because like in the video, it said many cultures did this. And this was very common. If you're familiar with the story of the golden calf, what did they do? They made a golden calf and worshipped it at the base of Mount Sinai. They were doing what they had been shown to do, what their culture accepted to do. But God was coming to them and saying, you are not like the Egyptians, your land is slavery, and you're not like the people of Canaan who I'm taking you. You're the people that I've created for my own good, my own good purpose. Why sacrifices? Because our sin has to be dealt with in order to be close to God. Leviticus 11.44, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You know, holiness distinguishes God from other gods. In the last several years, there have been many songs, secular songs, that use the word holy. They clearly do not know what holiness is because you cannot use the word holy next to anything but God himself and the things of God. He, it's being more than just being set apart and different. Anybody can be different. He is the very source of all life, of purity, of goodness, of righteousness. And we have to deal with our sin in order to come close to him. Holiness also distinguishes God's people from other people. And that's what he's doing. He's setting up the Israelites for where they're going. Because why? They are an extension of God himself. We are an extension of God himself, and God has to purify us and the land so that God could be among them and be among us. One aspect that we see in the book of Leviticus, there are five main sacrifices, and we see this, that sin costs you every single time. And we know from Romans, the wages of sin is what is death. It leads to death every single time. There was a cost. There was a financial cost. Can you guys imagine that every time you sinned, you had to shell out money? Every time you sinned, you had to buy a perfect sacrifice, the perfect sheep, the perfect cow, and you bring it before the tent, and you pay to, to bring it there, and then you have it sacrificed. Do you know what you'd probably do less of if there was a financial aspect to sin? you would probably be much more aware of your sin or your sinning if it financially costs you every single time. You know what? Sin has a cost every single time. It has a cost to you. It has a cost to your family. It has a cost to our community. It has a cost to our county and to our, and our, our state, to our country, to our world. Sin has a cost, and we're kidding ourselves if we don't believe that. Sin has a cost. The cost is death every single time. It's repetitive. These, these sacrifices were repetitive. You had to do it over and over and over and over again. If you want to do an interesting study out of the book of Leviticus, do this. Study the five sacrifices, and not all of them had to do with sin. But each sacrifice had to do with unintentional sin. There's not a sacrifice in the book of Leviticus that covers intentional sin. 
We'll stop and think about that for a minute. That's a good study. It's a powerful study. You start thinking about your actions and your self-control. We see that through rituals and through sacrifices, the character of God is holy. It is pure. It is perfect. We also see through the feasts and the festivals, which there are seven of in this book, everything from Sabbath to the Feast of Booths, where they, they stayed in booths for a week, was to help remind the Israelites of the journey God took them on. But we also see through these feasts and festivals that God is a God of celebration and of joy and of freedom, and he wants to, us to remember that. He says, celebrate, take a day of rest. This is what you are to do. He is a, a good, gracious God. The second way for us to approach the Lord is through priests. Now, again, it's important for us to know which tribe this is because it was only the tribe of Levi could you be a priest out of. And there's a reason for that. You can go back and read it in Exodus. But there's, you had to be a Levite. So you had special qualifications. Okay, go ahead and turn to chapter 8, Leviticus 8. Chapter 8, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bowl of the sin offering, and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. Verse 5, And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with a robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breast piece on him. In the breast piece, he put the Urim and the Thummim, and he set the turban on his head, and on the turban in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. Not just anyone could approach God, and not just anyone could minister to him. Not just anyone could bring a, a fragrant uh, offering of incense. Not just anyone could burn the animal upon the altar. Not just anyone could worship the Lord in singing and with, with music. You had to be appointed. You had to be chosen. You had to be cleansed in a special way in order to do it. There was this set apart qualification. You had to be of the tribe of Levi. You had to be a male. Instantly, I would be disqualified from serving the Lord. You had to have a certain standard of living because why? It represented the holiness of God. And they represent God himself in the same way that we are called to represent God himself. Have you guys ever felt disqualified before? I mean, I, I don't have the right education. I keep sinning. I just, I'm just not good enough. My, my family didn't come from a line of pastors. I, I just, I don't know about, I know enough about what's taking place. I'm from the wrong family in the wrong location. And if you were in Leviticus, it would be true. You're not qualified. And there was nothing you could do to change it. Here we see that through priests, the character of God is this. Again, that he is holy. And he desires holiness. God is perfect. He, and he wants perfection from us. 
But God desires to be with his people, so he's making a way to do that. And then the third way in the book of Leviticus that we see that God desires to be with us is through purity. Turn to Leviticus 18. Let's turn to Leviticus 18. And the Lord spoke, verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you live, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. We could approach God by following the rules, by observing everything. In God's goodness, he gave us rules and ways to live by so that we could approach him. And yet we have a really hard time keeping them. We, we understand this clearly in the New Testament when we see this group of people, the Pharisees, they had the laws down. It was not a, not a problem. You know, I, I, I'm more of a type A personality, and I, I, I like orderliness. <laughs> I like everything in its place. And I get like, yeah, why can't, why can't people just follow the, the rules? Has anybody felt like that before? And I find as I get older, I think that more. Why can't they just, you know, follow the rules? It makes sense but why we have a heart of rebellion in us is that very desire to, to do that which we shouldn't be doing. In Leviticus 18.24, it says this, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all these, the nations I'm driving out before you have become unclean, and the land become unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. The Lord is preparing the Israelites. He's preparing his people to go into a place of freedom. You know, when we're walking out of bondage, sometimes we want to hurry the process. But if we get to the place of freedom, our promised land, before God gives us our identity and deals with specifically character issues and obedience issues and trust issues, what's going to happen? We're going to defile the very thing, the very blessing that God wants to give to us. We've got to rely on him and trust in him. These laws have silly laws that would seem to us, like your clothing could not be of mixed materials, mixed ingredients. They could only be of one ingredient. Laws of blood. Those who like a, a good rare steak, nope, mm -mm, not today. <laughs> you couldn't have anything that had blood. Why? Because it represented Life. It represented life. And you know what? I, I, even in the last few years, we have seen it. We're so set on sometimes our rights. Well, I have the right to eat that steak. God says, yeah, but you also have the right to give something up so you could look different and glorify me. You know, we might not have a golden calf as an idol, but we have all kinds of other idols 
freedoms, rights, money, relationships. The Lord wants to bring us out of the bondage to these things. He wants to bring us into freedom. Some of these laws had uh, to do with justice and the poor, treating the poor with dignity and respect. There were laws of sexual integrity and purity. Why? He didn't want us to be defiled because he's a pure and holy God. He wants us to respect the dignity of human life. And this, we see this, God's holiness should affect every single part of our lives. The way that we talk to each other, the movies we watch, the hobbies we participate in, the way we talk to our spouse or to our kids, the way we get involved at our kids' school, the way that we employ people or the way that we talk about our employers or coworkers. We should look different. We should sound different. Why? Because God is putting us in a place of freedom and we need to have the character and we need to be and look different, not for our own sake, but for God's sake because we represent him to the world. And that's what the Israelites are going to do. They're going to represent God to all these other nations. Now, even as they approach Canaan, the, their promised land, there are people who say, I've heard of you because of the miracles, the signs and wonders that God did. I've heard of you. Way before they even get there, people have heard of the Israelites coming. Why? And they fear and respect them because they've heard of the Israelites' God. I think a common trip up or hang up that Christians can have in the area of holiness is that often holiness produces pride, but the purpose of holiness is to produce purity. Our holiness can kind of come off as, well, I don't do these things. I'm better than they are. <laughs> but the purpose of holiness is to produce a purity in us that we would be a living sacrifice, a pure, welcoming sacrifice that could host the very presence of God himself, a holy God who so desires to be among us. He desires to dwell with us. Let's, let's just let that sink in. God loves you. He desires to spend his time with us. We need to examine our holiness sometimes. If it's leading to pride, then it really isn't holiness. Our holiness needs to lead to purity. But we also need to be careful as a faith community. Sometimes we say, well, I can't, I can't be better. I can't be perfect, so I'm not even gonna try. That's not what the Lord is asking us to do either. Out of a pure and holy heart, we come to him. 
And he's so gracious, he tells us exactly how to do that. We see the character of God again in this way, that he is holy. He is perfect. He is a God of provision. He is a God who cares for the poor and the lowly. God cares about the state of his people. Ushers, at this time, would you come and gather the communion elements? Why fall in love with the book of Leviticus? Why fall in love with the Old Testament? Why take the time to understand the journey that the Israelites went on? And so we can do this, Ephesians 3, so that we may know the height the depth, the width, the length, all the fullness of Christ and his love for us to help us understand. We're gonna pass out communion, but don't take it quite yet. Just hang on to it. The Bible cross-references itself almost 64,000 times. 64,000 times. This graphic behind me, if you can see all the different colors, the gray sections on the bottom represent a book of the Bible. And then the line goes over to say where it connects to, right? So the Old Testament to the New Testament, the New Testament to the Old Testament. The reason we fall in love with the book of Leviticus is because it helps us understand God himself and his plan for us. We have the privilege of being on the other side of the cross, But because of that, we can become flippant or take for granted the very thing that is the most precious to us. Would you guys go ahead and stand with me? Jesus, he comes to fulfill the law. He comes to fulfill the very book of Leviticus. He comes to be our perfect sacrifice without blemish, God's very best. Jesus comes and he comes as our perfect priest without sin, without anything to give sacrifice for. Why? Because he is perfect. He can minister to God and he can minister to us. Jesus, he comes as the perfect, pure son of God with all purity. Jesus comes to fulfill the law. When you came to the tent of the meeting in the book of Leviticus, you recognized your sin. You recognized that you could no longer approach God and you needed to make a sacrifice. You'd collect your money and you would either collect a sheep or a cow you're offering from your own herd, or you would go and buy it. And you'd bring it before the tent, you'd lead it, and then you put your hand on its head, and then you confess your sins over it. In full recognition that what's about to happen should be you. And with your hand still on its head, 
its throat is cut. And you feel its last dying breath. And you hear its last dying moan. And you see its blood, its life poured out, shed for you. And Jesus went willingly to the cross and shed his blood in our place that we might have relationship with God the Father so that we could dwell in his presence, so that we could be a holy people of a holy God hosting his presence. We're going to break up into groups of three to four people. There's going to be a song that is played. We're going to break up into groups of three or four people, and we're going to do uh, James 5. Confess your sins one to another, and you will be healed. And if you want to, you can make it a very general confession. You know, maybe there's a, uh, you know, I need to confess an area of lack of trust. It can be very simple. Maybe it's in an area of my finances. I have a hard time trusting God with my finances or in the place of integrity. Does that make sense? So you, you can be gentle in that way. But we're going to practice James 5. We confess my sins one to another and we will be healed. After that time in our groups of three to four, go ahead and take the bread and take the juice together. And we are going to honor the sacred blood of Jesus Christ. And we are going to recognize God in his pure and holy state.